Welcome to Church on the Edge, a podcast designed to challenge you and help you rethink what church is and what church should be. This is your host, Dan Armistead. You can learn more about me on my website, danarmistead.com, and follow me through my regular post under the heading of Church on the Edge on both medium.com and substack.com where I invite and challenge you to live life on the edge like Jesus. I'm reading this season from my book to be released in October, just a small letter of the Apostle Paul, but a letter that gives us some great insight in what it means to be a mature Christian. And we come today to chapter 4 of that book, a chapter entitled Gospel Chains, In Philemon verse 13, Paul says this, I am in chains for the gospel. Was Paul in chains because of the gospel, or was he in chains for the purpose of spreading the gospel? I'm reminded of the story about the wanted poster tacked to the sheriff's office, wanted for murder, it read. (laughs) To the surprise of the local sheriff, several men applied for the job. Yes, Paul was imprisoned because he preached the good news of God's kingdom in Christ. At the same time, there can be no doubt that Paul's imprisonment actually served to further the gospel of Jesus. There is some debate about just how many of Paul's letters were written while he was in prison, at least half, maybe more. But regardless of the number, some of the greatest insights into what it means to follow Jesus come to us while Paul was chained 24 hours a day to a Roman soldier. Some of the greatest advances for the gospel happened as well. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, Paul writes to the church at Philippi, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He then goes on to describe how the entire Praetorian Guard Caesar's elite soldiers guarding his palace knew that Paul's chains were, in his words, for Christ. Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Who was chained to who? I love how the book of Acts ends. The last word in the Greek is unhindered. Here's how it reads in the New International Version of the Bible. He, Paul, proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. There is incredible irony in these words, and it demonstrates the subversive nature of God's kingdom. Paul is imprisoned in the capital city of the empire where Lord Caesar reigns and rules from his palace on the Palatine Hill, one of the seven hills of Rome. Yet right under Caesar's nose, another lord and another kingdom is being proclaimed. This is how the good news of God's kingdom through Christ works. As we grow in our relationship with Jesus, we become more and more aware of the subversive nature of God's kingdom in our world. Sadly, we are living in days where many Christians associate God's kingdom with worldly kingdoms. Empire building and churches and denominations is alive and well in many places. 
Huge amounts of money and other resources are spent on electing worldly leaders, leaders who are powerless to affect real change in our world or in the lives of those they govern. In his book, The Culturally Savvy Christian, Dick Staub acknowledges the right of citizens living in democracies to engage in these kinds of activities. But the problem comes, he writes, when political power displaces spiritual transformation as the primary basis for cultural restoration. Spiritually mature believers know that the power of God's kingdom comes not through battles against flesh and blood. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God, writes the psalmist. And like Paul, they know our strength is found in weakness, even persecution. I've wondered in recent years if the best thing that could happen to Christians in the United States is for everything we fear happening to actually happen, if everything we're afraid of losing might actually be lost. It may just be that this will be the very thing God uses to teach us these truths and unleash the power found in the cross of Christ. What the world calls wisdom, God calls foolishness. What the world sees as strength, God sees as weakness. This is why Paul says, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. In his song, Who'll Stop the Rain, John Fogarty sings about being wrapped in the golden chains of success. Mature Christians are those who've exchanged their golden chains for gospel chains. Prayer. Lord, help me to see the ways of this world for what they really are, hindrances to the power found in your cross. Give me the wisdom to discern the difference between weapons of worldly warfare and the weapons of love, grace, and peace found in your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Individual Reflection What are some things in your life that make you feel trapped or imprisoned? Are you willing to ask God to show you how these things can be used to further his kingdom? Number two, how does an understanding of the subversive nature of God's kingdom affect your relationships with others? Number three, do you live in fear of losing your rights as a Christian? What are you most afraid of? Group discussion. In what ways could increasing persecution of Christians in our world lead to a clearer, stronger witness for Jesus? Number two, what is the difference between being faithful citizens and becoming distracted by worldly power and politics? Number three, take time as a group to discuss ways Christians in your country can express their faith without becoming caught up in worldly thinking and ways. This has been Church on the Edge with Dan Armistead, rethinking what church is and what church should be. If you like this episode, please leave a review at your preferred podcast provider, 
And you can find out more about this podcast as well as my articles, coming books, and more at danarmistead.com. And remember, it's all about Jesus and following Him as His church on the edge.